Hello, Paul here. Thank you for deciding to put this podcast in your ears, these conversations with people who make things about the what, the how and the why of their creativity. If you haven't already, then why not subscribe via Apple Podcast or whatever your streaming portal of choice is. It's on most of them. And if you are interested in creativity, making the things that are most important to you and how to bring all of that more deeply into everyday life, then you might find some stuff of interest at my website, paulmccauley.net. Give that a second. And that's it. Thank you again and enjoy the episode. Uh, I'm lying on my back as I record this. I've had a brain in a jar kind of week. Brain in a jar kind of week is when, um, you know, I'm just getting tired and um, stressed out getting things done and getting things done looks like sitting at a desk or hunched over a screen or something and uh, completely neglect my body until it starts screaming you need to do things differently Paul you're a body and a heart and a mind not just a brain in a jar so anyway so I'm paying the price for that now and here I am on the carpet <sighs> something I'm really trying to pay attention to at the moment not just being a desk-bound drone for myself, but trying to create work in a bit more of an embodied and heartful kind of way. Do you know what I mean? Like not just a thinking, typing, screen-watching loner, but actually being more in the body and in my world, just being a bit more human. Anyway, we're all the product of our uh, environments, aren't we? Here's a bit of a treat coming up for you. This conversation between me and Kara Nolan. I've been listening back to it to edit it and it's just full of so much good stuff. I haven't heard it for a while. So um, earlier this year, uh, I was in Australia with my friend Phoebe and we went to visit with Kara where she lives in Geelong, a little way um, along from Melbourne. And I thought while I was there, it'd be really good to have a conversation. So we did. We had a, a chat. There's so much useful stuff in this conversation. I found I was taking notes throughout. And there are so many little nuggets I'd like to pull out. And I think part of that is because Kara is very, very self-aware. She knows who she is and she really has paid a lot of attention to how she's applying herself to the work that she wants to create. So we talk about things like your relationship to failure, to feedback, to mentors, to finding the right support for yourself, to the relationship you have with um, how you give your work to the world. So much good stuff. I'm just going to shut up now. So this is me speaking with Kara Nolan. In those moments of flow, you know, there's a great sense of... Like anyone who sits there and goes, oh, that's a talent I can't draw, just hasn't had the right teacher. And actually, sometimes, you know, you have to write so many things, so much stuff, that'll never go on. Because if it's not getting any reaction at all, or just a man, it'll just work out what should go on. Try harder. So it's having that sense of, well, I'm just making stuff because I know there'll be someone out there and they'll need it and they'll have kind of like the landing card question. Oh my god! Like, which is the hardest question of all? It is. I find really. I've I've been struggling with it because when I did my business course, right, 
they talked about the elevator pitch and how you have to get that really good succinct elevator pitch going. Mm. But I'm the type of person where I really love to overcomplicate things. So my elevator pitch is literally like a full on biography of my life and how I got to where I am today. <laughs> it's like an elevator pitch in yeah. a 150 story yeah, building. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what have you arrived at though? What have I arrived at? I think this, I, I've realized that a lot of what I do is rooted into my teenage years and how I felt growing up. Mm. Um, and I realized that I've always, I've always been very different and I've, I think I've always struggled to find people in the media that, that really suit what it is that I feel I need, what I, what I need to get out of a role model. Mm. Um, and I think through that I found then my own artwork, which is kind of the... For the people like me, for people who don't know me, like, you know, being that person who's covered in tattoos, covered in piercings, very open-minded, very kind of liberal in thought, <coughs> I felt like, um, I felt like I was alone. I think that's, that's where, I think where a lot of art comes from. It's just that sense of like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm seeing what I need to see. So I need to create something that feels like it's there for me yeah. and to be able to, engage other people who also feel that way which is that kind of sitting on the outside of society not quite sure where you fit in where your role is um and then so yeah that kind of drove me to make artwork which um kind of became like a narrative of popular culture and how how popular culture we see we only see the superficial side of popular culture like we only see one angle of popular culture but yeah. actually just like people, it's multifaceted and that, you know, for one person it might represent one thing, for someone it might represent something else. Um, so yeah, I started making artwork that kind of looked at popular culture, but well, what would popular culture look like if I was to make popular culture? <laughs> so a lot of it is a lot of kind of tongue-in-cheek, um, non-conforming kind of like, you know, I, I always find it funny how how we how people determine what is right and wrong in society. I love that like, mm. because what's right and wrong could be completely different to any person you talk to. Um, and so I've always felt that I was wrong growing up because I was the one who loved tattoos and piercings and listened to punk music and was all like, "Whoa, anarchy!" Yeah, the outside thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then, yeah, so then I just started making stuff that looked like, okay, like, I love Kermit the Frog. You know, what would Kermit look like if he was my best friend? Well, Kermit would be covered in tattoos if he was my best friend, you know? It doesn't change who Kermit is, but there's another side to Kermit you probably haven't seen. Um, so kind of like re... Well, slightly uh, an arty term, reappropriating yeah, stuff. Yeah, reimagining people, it. Yeah, that is out there anyway. And everyone, like the reference points that everyone has. But yeah. Of imagining it, you know, if it was relevant to you, and, yeah, you know. to each individual. So, what were you like? Oh, okay, so that, that, and well, you can see that that, that thread then continues right through to what you're doing at the moment. So, that is the in your teenage years, you're already on that mm. like uh trip, but then, so what were you creating? Like, what, like what media and stuff are you like, kind of working? With? So, I've got we kind of discussed this a bit the other day. I've got, I've definitely got um. I get bored very easily, mm. I find. And I always thought, again, growing up, I thought that was a bad thing. I thought that meant that I was very a very nonchalant person, like I wasn't very grounded. I felt like that um, 
that that should be uncomfortable and that I shouldn't feel that way. But for me, my, I, I had to explore mediums because as soon as I would learn how to do something, then it's not as challenging anymore. And mm. for me, that, that gets boring. Like if I'm not challenging myself, I just go, oh, this is like, what's the purpose of doing this if I'm not getting some kind of value anymore of what I'm doing? Yeah. Um, so I started off, I've always been up to draw, so I've always stuck to drawing. That's just something that's come naturally to me. But then as soon as I realized there was art and there were other things, it was just, well, what can I make? Like what things can I create from nothing and it becomes something completely different and have a different meaning about it mm. um so now i've done everything i find it really hard to pin down what i do because i've done like screen printing i've done like you know macrame like sewing uh photography sound engineering i've got so many things that i've done and 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 i feel like i'm way more fulfilled for doing all that kind of stuff rather than just kind of trying to stick to drawing and go well i'm just going to draw and get really good at that yeah Hey, Mabes, you coming up? Coming up? Ah, uh, Um, So drawing, mm. sometimes I think of it uh, as like a first instrument. Like, it is, isn't it? Like, or for me, it's writing. Like, whatever I was going to start, or if, yeah. I, if I needed to start something and I didn't know where to start, I would start writing and, some, and you know, what it turns out. Like, yeah. If it's a, a play or whatever. Whatever, but that's kind of like the way I can start to explore that. Mm. Is, it, and is that kind of true for you, like... Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think where my artistic side came in is that being an introvert, I feel like I'm also very, a, a, like I observe a lot. I kind mm. of sit back and look at things. And I think it was the first tool where I could pick something up and draw what I'm looking at. Like, you know, from a young age, you'll learn to write and use a pencil. Yeah. I think that was for me the quickest way to be able to put my observations from my head onto paper and make them like tangible. Mm. Um are you quite a visual thinker? I'm not so much a visual thinker. I think it comes down to that. I think it comes down to having such a busy brain that mm. until I spew it out onto paper somehow, it has to, it, it, it's all over the place. It's just airy fairy. And until I like actually put something that, yeah, that's my first place. It's, it's yeah. the same thing. It's okay. So, there's ideas brewing here, but how do I get them out? And, cohesively put them somewhere that, yeah. so they have order and a place to be sense making and it's kind yeah. of like I, I sometimes think it's like you go towards the thing that is creates the shortest distance between what's in your head and making it something manifest and yeah, separate exactly. from yourself yeah so you said like you find it difficult to kind of uh, articulate or give a a label or a pithy <laughs> <laughs> explanation of what you do because you you're jumping from uh, media and process, you know, depending on you know where the challenge is and yeah. stuff. There is something interesting that in that because I think sometimes we kind of get hung up on describing uh, the thing we do um, in terms of like the what we do, like the the technique or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I'm interested in having these conversations because I think that people who are have a very creative experience typically don't stick to one thing yeah um here's another way at it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So listening. How, <laughs> <laughs> listening um how do you describe like what you're doing like, in terms of like and you've kind of talked about it a bit, a bit already but in terms of like the difference like you want to make or what then there must be a thread that connects all the things you do like what is it you're reaching towards and maybe it's 
are kind of built on the teenage experience that you were talking about, but what's the, the need in the world that you're trying to answer? I, th I think, again, it just comes from being quite an internalised person, being an introvert. I, I realise that there are lots of other people who want to say similar things that I want to say, mm. but they need permission to do it. And so I feel like I'm the person who creates art that gives people the permission to go, hey, there's a different outlook. And if you believe in that outlook, then here I am. Here's my artwork. Like, that's for you. And so that's, that's always been my overarching is that kind of um, not so much giving people a voice. Like, I don't necessarily always believe in trying to change people's minds about things because it, ultimately if someone believes in something, they believe in something. But I think it's just that that need for there are people out there who need to be heard and they're going to sit in the shadows until someone steps forward and goes, well, hey, like there's this perspective. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the undertone to everything I do. The undertone is very much of a, well, here's a thing for you because I know that you're probably thinking this, but you're just not willing to say it. And that, that not necessarily not willing, but not in a position or a safe place to be able to say it. Yeah. Or even, I guess, maybe might not even have a language for it. Maybe yeah. it's a vague feeling of like, there's something that I can't put into words or I can't sort of articulate what this view what is. What that experience is. And yeah. I guess that's the experience that we all have at some point in our lives with art or, you know, art in the broader sense is like, you find something, you go, oh, wow, that is, you put into words or whatever. Yeah. Figuratively, like the thing that I'm feeling. And yeah. Now there's a language for it. Okay, that's because that's quite, I have a theory that, you know, we make the things um that sort of answer the need that we see or have felt you know yeah. that we keep coming back to it and usually it's quite a deep-rooted thing yeah and it sounds like that's true for you that's like way in your experience but that's the way you describe it feels like really um really healthy and uh quite evolved because um where i hear it is like you're just kind of offering this thing and see that there is value in it because it's valuable to you and therefore it might be valuable to others. Yeah. Have you always had that relationship with the stuff you make? Because some people, some people describe like, uh, a, like a reticence or a doubt in what mm. they're producing automatically assume it doesn't have any value because, mm. you know, someone's always doing something better or, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. But have you always felt like that about the stuff? <sighs> It's, it's always been a very like mindful and thoughtful process. Like the, the earliest like the earliest memories I have of me being creative was always making presents for people. Like that mm. used to be a thing I used to do when I was a kid and I'd make, like I'd get a bunch of cardboard boxes and like, you know, I'd make it into like a pretend computer or something. And then I'd get paper and I'd like draw on the paper and I'd like use the paper as wrapping paper. But I'd always think of, it would always be that someone would pop into my head and I would think, oh, they would love that. So it always came from a place where, of kind of understanding who that person is and creating something that is just for them and going, I know who you are and here I've thought about it and this is something that I've made. Mm. And I think that <clears throat> being able to do that on an individual scale is like, is really heartwarming as it is. Like that, that really simple process of giving someone a present and it doesn't have to be of any monetary value, but it's something that they will find significant or what's that word? I'm, I'm not a very, I'm not a very, I'm not like this with myself. Sentimental. I'm not a very sentimental person, but I love doing sentimental things for other people, which is kind of weird. Mm. So I like making sentimental things, 
But then when you can do that on a bigger scale, like that's, it's almost like the ultimate of being able to go, well, I started off being able to give people individually a lot of things, but now like, let's give everyone something like, let's make it bigger and give more to other people. Because if I've seen it in my life, help other people just knowing that there's that thought process that, because everyone loves it, don't they? To know that like someone's really thought about you and really thought, well, what is it that you like? And when I think people are always really taken back when people can see into their soul do you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. when someone can actually see and it's not just a oh here's some perfume it's like well no i've thought about this and this means this and it just i don't know there's something just beautiful about that yeah that's really lovely yeah <laughs> it really speaks to a way that i i think for myself i don't i don't think it sort of hasn't always come as easy but that my challenge to myself is to think about yeah what i'm making in terms of and, and how i'm offering it at, in terms of it being a gift mm -hmm. and the idea that um you know because in, in in that is implicit the idea that there is value in it um although it's offered without expectation mm -hmm. you know you're just offering it to the world and and if it's useful it's useful it, it's not um, but i think that's a really great spirit in which mm -hmm. to create from and to like share your work from so when you're creating the stuff that you do now uh like say like the pop culture that stuff what um do you keep in mind like like who that like audience or person is you know is is it just remembering is it going back to sort of how you felt or i mean do you do you think of individuals or mm. <clears throat> i think it's more i've no like i again i think throughout my lifetime i've noticed that um it it's more me. So I, I, I make things that I like knowing mm. that there's people out there who are pretty much exactly the same as me who like the same things. Mm. So I try and come at it from that angle. Mm. And because then I know my, like I know who my audience is. Like I know myself so well to know that, that I can produce things that I love, which means I can then for produce things that other people are going to love. So mm. I, I kind of just keep myself in mind and go, what is it that I would want to see? Yeah. Um, because that's the, I'm an expert in me. So do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, bring that to the table. And as long as I'm doing what's authentic to me, it's going to be something that's authentic to other people. just interested in knowing where that comes from in you. Because there's a certain amount of self, I don't know if it's self-belief or self... Um, self-valuation or something is, is about knowing that actually my experience um, and perspective is worthwhile mm. um, and also the flip side of it you know uh, making something to second guess what other people want isn't yeah. the way to go has, has, have you had what experiences have you had in your life or influences have led you to believe in those things because not everyone I'm just interested in it's do you know what I it's and I was we, I was having a conversation with Phoebe about this yesterday yeah. how for me like <clears throat> my morals so I've, I've got definitely like huge like very high set of morals that I always stick to and I don't know where that's come from that's just mm. who I am as a person but what it forces me to do which I hate doing but morally like if I see something right and I don't think it's right and then whether everyone else in the room thinks it's the right thing to do if I see something and I think it's wrong, my morals are so strong that even though I don't want to, I will go, right, I don't agree with this. 
Um, and I think through that process, what I've realized is that I'm not the only one alone because then what will happen is that the, as soon as someone says something, you have everyone else will then chime in. That comes back to that kind of giving people permission to say how they're feeling. Mm. And so I found that as soon as I say what I'm feeling, within like minutes, you know, I'll have another, you know, five people around me going, yep, yep, I agree, I agree, I agree. Mm. And so for me, that's always what's validated it is that if I don't say something, will anyone say something? And if I do say something, the outcome can only really be good. Like it can only yeah. be that other people feel like they're heard or, you know in some way have there been times where you haven't honored the uh expression of something that you felt to be important or morally right and you know seen that um go the other way not to be honest not really because i don't that's a really good question i, I don't think i have like the you i go into a situation knowingly thinking that it could go either way do you know what I mean like you walk into that situation going like I'm going to say something right now and there's going to be outcomes to that and some of those outcomes might not be positive but then I never see a negative in it because I'm always if the guilt of not doing something versus doing something is um far the not doing is far worse than the doing in that I'm I will live with that guilt and the guilt is harder to cope with than saying something and being rejected, if that makes sense. So for me, like being rejected is the least of my concerns. It's the guilt that is the worst of my concerns. That's interesting. Um, Ah. mm. Yeah. The regret regret thing is another way of putting it. Well, you you talk about guilt, but you know, better to regret something that you Yes. Than, than something, something you haven't. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that you bring rejection into that because may, maybe that's sort of a, a, um, a way of sort of understanding it. Because so from my experience, like I have struggled a lot with rejection, and I think my fear over rejection has um, sort of dampened mm. or you know uh, kind of. Um, what's the word, sort of inhibited me from doing certain things. And yeah. it's something I'm really trying to push against. Um, saying that rejection is the least of your worries, that's like a, that's a wonderful thing to have. Is it? Yeah, mm. I think so. Mm. Yeah, that kind of makes, it feels like kind of, if I had that, I'd feel like pretty <laughs> fearless. That's... I think the way, the way I always think of it is that no one can tell you what your lived experiences are. Like, so you are always right in your lived experiences because you are the only person who's grown up and gone through those set of particular instances. So I never feel like I can be wrong because no one can tell me that how I've led my life or the experiences that I've had, no one can dictate that to me because I'm the only person who has been through those things. So I speak the truth about what I'm saying always. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you feel, um, cause that, that, I'll come back to that and say, oh, tangential thinking. <laughs> this is, this is where, this is where you kind of realize how much editing I do. Like, it's like Paul's fourth attempt at trying to say what he's trying to say. Um, so that chimes with a lot of my thinking and makes me think of like, uh, makes me think of this definition of artist that I've created for myself, which was. Um, an artist is someone who uh, creates to express their unique Mm -hmm. experience and understanding of the world and on that basis 
anyone can be an artist because yeah. you just have to show up yeah. and be honest and make something that represents as best as you can that yeah. experience. And I really, really love that idea that, um, you know, that you are the expert in your own experience and understanding of the world. Um, it's very empowering. Mm. Um, so the other thing I was going to say before I went off down on, on that thing <laughs> was, um, okay, so, so you clearly feel compelled to create from that place. Do you feel a responsibility? Definitely. Really? 100%. Again, it's that, it's that moral in me that if I'm... <clears throat> what was that thing that they used to say all the time, which was something along the lines of, um, if not now, when? Mm. If not who? Like, if not me, then who? It's yeah. like, I live by that. It's like, well, I would be a hypocrite to have all these self-values but not be actioning any of them. So for me, I feel a responsibility that if my artwork is there to help people, then I should be using that to help people. Like there's value there. So yeah. 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 I think, I think that's really important to be able to link, um, your sort of, what well, one's urge to create kind of the importance of that to yourself, but also link it to the fact that it's useful for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think until you link those two things, you can either get trapped in a self-serving, um, this is my work and I'll just sit on it mm -hmm. and I'll never share it and I'll be a tortured artist staring mm -hmm. out a window or the other the other pole of that I think is uh, being uh, serving the needs and requirements of other people without listening to yourself yeah. um, and being able to have the thread that goes between the two I think is really enabling for people but it takes a lot of um, I think it takes a degree of self-awareness and sort mm. of inner uh, yeah, inner, inner awareness and inner work. I'm interested in um, how do you make sense of the relationship between what you create and have created and your understanding of yourself? Do you know what I mean? Like, How, how does the art that you uh, make, how has that helped you sort of understand yourself? On, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Kind of. Um... I'm trying to rephrase it, but <laughs> it's interesting because I often look at my artwork and go to other people. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I've come up with something here, but I'm not quite sure what's going on. So, yeah, I, I, I struggle with it. Like, it, I have to analyze my own artwork to understand where it's coming from. Like, ah. it actually takes me a while to click. Like, it's something that's already there, but I just haven't been able to verbalize yet. I think. Is it so? It's not necessarily <clears throat> something you create is giving you answers about yourself. More that it's actually posing a question. Like, it's why posing is this a question simple? and ask. Like, it's it's right. both. It's it, yeah. It's definitely a learning process of because you know, like, it's so easy to say. I like this, I like that, like, I like apples, but why do you like apples? Tell me about why you like apples. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And then you're kind of like, oh, why do I like apples? Yeah. And do, but do you have that curiosity about what you create? Do you get some, obviously, clearly, sometimes you've gone, why the hell have I done that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but do you sit in that curiosity? Do you ask yourself, like, do you kind of wonder, yeah, where does that come from? Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. But, um... I don't know, because it just feels like it's a part of you, doesn't it? Like, yeah. my artwork just is an extension of me, but 
sometimes there's more layers there than I've realized until I've done something and then I've done it and I realize, oh, there's actually quite a few layers to that. Here I was thinking that I was just trying to portray X and I've actually portrayed X, Y, and Z as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm not very, I don't know, I'm not very self-aware in that way. Like it just kind of comes out and then I, I uh, every now and then when I get asked questions like this, <laughs> I think about it and go, yeah, you're right. Um, let me just Google that. <laughs> Well, sometimes, and the other thing is, um, I, I've noticed that if you're producing uh, work over a period of time as well, like years and years and years, you start to spot patterns in mm. what your themes are and what your what your sort of challenges are or the, the things you're trying to solve, mm -hmm. you know. Um, do you have a sense of what those are? Yeah, definitely. I think, and I... It's a lot of things. I think um, for me, it just goes again. It just goes back to being able to give people a different narrative to work from and creating that narrative. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know really. Yeah, that's a really hard question. I don't know. <laughs> That's as good as it gets, I'm afraid, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that bit out. found you know do you know the rapper logic uh, i've heard the name but i don't not familiar with no that's fine so he did he came up doing that 1-800 song i don't know if you would have heard it it's the hotline the suicide hotline number um right. and he sang about his own personal experience with anxiety um and it became like an anthem for like mental health but i remember one of the things i heard him say in an interview about his music is that it's there for the people who need it and the people who don't like it, it's not meant for them yeah. And I, that's what I, now I've learned. That's now the place that I always come from when I'm making things is that whoever this resonates with, it's for them. If people don't like it, it's just not for them. Like there's always going to be people who don't like what you do, but then why is there, why would you, why would you expect that, that your artwork is valuable to them because they don't need it. Yes. So it's having that sense of, well, I'm just making stuff because I know there'll be someone out there and they'll need it and they'll have it. Like, yeah. It's kind of uh, the, um, the, the, the people who matter don't mind and the people who mind don't matter. Exactly. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? <laughs> of course. Yeah? Constantly. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yes. All the time, Next. every day. Who am I? I don't know. Um, That's interesting. You do, yeah. where, where do you feel that? It is a sense of, I, I always try and work out why it is. And I think um, it's hard because it's just, it's just everything is a social construct, isn't it? At the end of the day, like everything comes down to um, people have put together perceived guidelines and we are living by these perceived guidelines that we mm. should live by. So my, and I know when I look at my artwork, like I'm not, 
you know, fucking Monet or like, you know, Vincent van Gogh or whatever. And so I, you see, you see that stuff and you think, God, these are actual creative geniuses and look at what they've been able to achieve. Mm. Um, and I think as well, some of it has been, has come from, I think, you know what? It's fucking school. It's a school system. It's being graded on artwork. And mm. I always remember falling down in the theory side of artwork. And for me, I never felt like I needed the theory as in, I, I just wanted to express myself. And again, it comes back to that place of, um, there's a certain way you need to express yourself, but there really isn't. Yeah. But then you still feel that pressure to align with whatever the guidelines are, you know, yes. and whatever you're trying to achieve. Yeah. There are no real guidelines. That's the thing. It's such a warped way of thinking. Like, yeah, it's kind of the um, well, school system or whatever yeah, that represents society's idea of this is what good looks like in yeah. terms of painting exactly. or, or, or whatever. Um, I think there, there, there is value in... Um, understanding sort of technique and theory and stuff like that but never 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 at the expense of in of you know stopping someone from creating something yeah if at the moment you start going well you're not allowed to write a song until you have learned music theory <laughs> yeah that's, that's awful yeah exactly um but it can be enormously beneficial to some people obviously you, you you do get the imposter thing yeah all the time um but i think i think some of that comes down to me like i'm a real perfectionist so i mm. give myself a really hard time if i can't achieve what i want to and i find that um everyone's just got their own way of doing it and it's just the fact that well I suppose some people are known like like it's but it's how they got there do you know what I mean like so you've got all these famous artists and you think well they're good because they're famous right but then how did they become famous like by putting their stuff out there yeah and so you keep comparing yourself to like I, I often forget that it's like only I am me, so only I can do my art. Like, no one can do my art. Like, only you can do your art, and everyone's art is different. But yeah, there is that real sense of... I think it's just being conditioned to think that people are going to be judgmental. And while that may be true, it's completely irrelevant and completely redundant in actually making art. Yeah. But I still get, I, I think I'm just like everyone else. I just get caught in that cycle of, well, you know, you're doing it right. I'm doing it wrong. Why am I doing it wrong? I don't know. <laughs> what, um, what props you up or inspires you like in, in that position? Do you have any sort of sources of support or inspiration that kind of make you go, no, I'm on the right path. So it's, it's, I think the, the, the first thing I learned that was most beneficial when I started to try and make this into a career was mm. understanding who my mentors are and getting really good mentors on my side. Right. Cause I realized that there are, there are certain people you should listen to and there are people that you just shouldn't listen to. And a lot of the time, if I'm not, I think I spent a lot of time trying to, take on board every single person's advice that I met. So like someone say, you know, oh, you should do this. And then someone else is like, no, that's crap. You should do this. And so there ends up being so much conflict. So I think over time I've learned to um, filter out who my support group are, making sure mm. that I've got one, a good like cheer squad around me of people who aren't judgmental, who want to see me do well. Um, 
And then also having mentors where one, I value their artwork. So I actually see something in their artwork that I see myself. Mm. Um, but also, um, relating to being able to relate to their advice because I find that I've got such an obscure way of thinking that I often find it really difficult to relate to people. So I, I have to, I have to be really conscious of who I interact with in the art world because I can quite easily be thrown off track by people who have got their own way of doing things that just doesn't fit into the way my brain functions. When you say thrown off track, feeling discouraged or... Yeah, I think thrown off track being being sent down the wrong rabbit hole. Right. It kind of that, that sense of, well, Kara, you should head in this direction. Mm. Um, and not understanding, not sitting with the feeling of being uncomfortable and just heading down that direction anyway. Yeah. Does that make sense? So almost like that kind of a real mindful approach. Like I've gotten really good at trusting my gut. And if I'm in a situation where I've got someone who's in a, like a senior position to me and they're telling me to do something a different way, I'm much better now at learning when my gut's saying, mm. no, you can't do that. And then figuring out why that is. And it's usually because someone's method is too difficult for me to understand or, um, or just diff different thought processes. And stuff, mm. I guess. So, finding I'm hearing that could describe that sort of finding your tribe, finding the yeah. people who yeah. get what where you're coming from yeah. and value that and encourage that. Yeah. So who are actually genuinely constructive and not yeah. just. So you you have like mentors like that. You have that kind of you define your relationship with them in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely people who I are my like go tos when I need help with things. Who I just know will give me the right advice, and mm. I'll straight away like find shortcuts. Yeah. I love shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love a good shortcut? Oh yeah, it's great to learn a shortcut. Yeah, especially if you've been fumbling around in the dark for a while. Yeah, you go, exactly. Oh, I can do it like this. Yeah. Was there a time when you didn't have those? mentors and try because I, I think that especially as a young person as my ex experience like you know you're living in a s small town somewhere mm -hmm. you've got a burning desire to make this sort of thing mm -hmm. no one else around you is doing that mm -hmm. you're kind of trying to do the best you can but you're pretty much on your own mm. um does that resonate for you were you ever in that sort of position and and, and who was is have there been anyone in in particular uh has there been anyone particularly important that you've sort of found who's, you know, you've found, founded like a really valuable relationship with? Um, I don't know. So I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know how I got by with my art when I was younger. I always think back to that and I, like I was, I was, I've always been making art. Um, but a lot of the time I never made it for people to see. And I find that kind of weird because that's not usually how artists work. Like usually there's kind of that end outcome of being like, here world, here's my mm. art. And for some reason when I was younger, I, I think it was just coming from a place of self-expression. I think it was just my way of, you know, filtering and understanding the world around me. So I don't think... Um, I don't feel like, I think I was, when you're just making something for yourself, you're not really thinking about, 
how good it is or what its flaws and that are because you're not expecting it to be judged it's just for you Mm. but i think it's as i've gotten older and i've realized that that's a huge part of me and what i need to do for the rest of my life is art i think that's when i had the clicking moment that was like okay how do i do art to do art like i need to be constantly improving and how do i improve like you can't Mm. it can be a for me it can be a very long and draining process trying to improve on my own yes um and I know just myself, like I know I'm very good at picking things up when I'm able to watch someone and they can explain it to me. And for me, again, I work, my brain has to work on efficiency. So I end up, I end up finding mentors just purely for the sake that I want shortcuts. And I don't, and that sounds, I, I often get berated for that because it almost sounds like lazy and, and like, you know, that kind of ADG ADD generation of wanting to get things straight away. Yeah. But for me, it's not. It's like, I want to make the very fucking most of my time. So if I can, you know, excel in six months rather than waiting fucking five years, then I want to excel in six months and yeah. be doing more and able to keep doing more. Um, and yeah, so then that's when I realized I probably got to, I reckon about 18 or 19. That's when I started to realize that mentors were valuable because it meant that they could give me the shortcuts because straight away they could see what I was doing wrong Yeah. and would be able to go, actually, if you try doing things differently, you'd be a lot quicker. Well, it sounds like you were pretty sort of self-aware and focused about what you wanted to apply yourself to at a fairly young age. That's Mm. quite a, that's an important leap. Some people mm. never get to that place of like realizing, wow, if I want to do this for my, the rest of my life, I have to improve and I want to improve. Mm. I can't do that um, on my own. I need to orient myself with some other inspiration or knowledge to yeah. get me there. That's, that's quite a leap. Because my other question was going to be that is, there's a balance, isn't there, about the influences you surround yourself with. You want to find people who believe in you and encourage you but you also want to keep yourself on an edge of challenge and growth so it sounds like your mentor thing sort of part of that you kind of what you sounds like you kind of butt up against a a problem um and then many problems (laughs) many many problems (laughs) all the problems yeah yeah um and then find um support to help you kind of meet that challenge got 99 problems that I could tell you yeah. about. Um, <laughs> What's the biggest one today? <laughs> What's the most recent one? Um, at the moment, for me, it's getting creative blocks. Right. And I've had, I think, I've been such a scatterbrain that it can be, I find it, I an amazing term I learned on my business course was um, analysis paralysis. And I, I'm so good at getting into analysis paralysis because I, I'm the type of person, and this is what Scott says about me all the time. I'm the measure twice, cut once, like to a fucking T. Like I will measure and measure and measure and measure and measure and know that when I do it, it's done and it's right and it's perfect. Um, but that's my hang up at the moment is that I'm getting so bogged down with the detail mm. that sometimes it makes it hard just to take that first step and go, well, let's just the, get into it. The paralysis Yeah, thing. exactly. Trying to what sort of second guess 
the outcome of the entire process towards the end you want to see. Yeah. Trying to mitigate everything and line everything, everything you up. Everything can, yeah. yeah. And then you lose a lot of that spontaneity and all of that fluidity that you kind of need yeah. to also have when you're creating. Um, and so that's my hardest, That's at the moment, that's like one of my most difficult things to get past is that paralysis. Is that something that's come around before or is that especially true like now? Especially true now because I'm so focused, like art is no longer a hobby for me, like it's a career choice. So it's more difficult now than it was before because it's like I'm taking myself more seriously. So that perfectional level. Yeah. This is um, sort of in the context of uh, your art as a business or that end of it. So, mm-hmm. so is it like the stakes are higher or, you know, you, you're more invested in sort of a, trying to influence a particular outcome with it? Is it that kind of thing? Yeah, both yeah. of those things. It's that now I'm like, now I'm out there. Like now I am an artist. I'm not just me sitting at home pretending that I'm a little hobbyist. Like now it's like I'm here and I'm an artist and I've got to make all this art. And it's hard. Oh, oh shit, now I'm going to make all this <laughs> and art. And now I do have to make all this art. Oh god, how do I make this art? I've forgotten. Um, that's a, yeah, that's, a, that's an added pressure because, yeah. well, the business the business end of it, that's, I suppose, where it gets kind of pointy, isn't it? Because you can, even when you're sharing stuff, if you're just kind of giving it out to the world, then, you know, you can be fairly mm. casual about who takes it or not. But if you're literally trying to create an income and, and a living for, yeah mm-hmm. all of that then um yeah it's yeah it's it's less hard to be organic that way i find yeah it's um yeah because you've you're wearing both an artist hat and a business hat and those two things for me don't really line up very well which i'm trying to change my thought process on because actually they are like part and parcel but yeah so where are you at, um, at the moment because mm-hmm. it sounds like um yeah, well, you talked about hats, like mm-hmm. being able to embody and be in a particular space mm-hmm. wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but still kind of oscillate between the two yeah. is what's needed, but it's tricky. It's so, really hard to balance, really hard. Do you, um, like when you create, do are you happy to experiment and just, you know, get messy with stuff? Um like you talk about, you know, just beginning, yeah, you know, and being okay with it being crap, <laughs> and you know that whole thing. Yeah, so I always like I, I I always try to put myself on a nice edge. Like I I like being in that place, but I do it within a kind of like clinical studies. I try and do it in a controlled way. So okay. I try and trial something, but to an extent where I'm happy for it to fall apart a little bit but not to an extent where it completely damages me and I think, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do art again kind of thing. So... Is that like putting like sort of certain parameters around it? Like, yeah, so I think it's being understanding my skill set. So rather mm. than going, I have never done photography before <laughs> and tomorrow I'm going to be a photographer. Boom. Yeah, yeah, like trying to put like, okay, so, you know, oh, I might know a little bit about painting or I might know a little about about photography. Why don't I try you know, editing my photos differently this time. So I always try to sit just outside my comfort zone. Right. Um, but in a way where I know if I fall, it's, I'm not going to come crashing down hard kind yeah. of thing. There's um, a phrase, that the, the, the zone of proximal development. Mm. You need to be 
just outside your comfort zone enough that you're growing, but not yeah. so far out that you're failing and become discouraged. Yes, um, that's it. Yeah, Find that balance. So kind of, uh, I like the way you described like a clinical study. It is quite yeah. like an experiment. It's like these are the control elements, yeah. and this is the one thing that I'm going to tweak or do differently. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the rest of it's kind of uh, the rest of it sort of holding mm-hmm. that that little experiment. When have you felt challenged to actually produce something? You know, it's, it's, it's like, I, I suppose it's like, uh, anyone can have an idea, but the difference is, do you actually produce something? Mm. Like, what have your challenges been in actually getting something made? It's quite, a, quite an open question. No, I think I know what you mean. Um, for me, what I've realised, like, and this is how I, um, this is literally how I live my life in general, but I have, like, I go from like a point of, funny enough, this is from my experience with having anxiety. So from, from struggling with mental health, I understand that one of the things that worked for me really well when I was really struggling with mental health is like gradual exposure. So, um, if I was struggling with anxiety and I couldn't leave the house, I'd strip everything back and go, right, you're not working at the moment. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And then what I'd do is I'd always gradually build back in what I need so it might be like for example on a um on like a day-to-day basis okay i'm gonna do some um exercise every day i'm gonna do that for a week and then a week will pass and i'll go okay i'm doing exercise now that's really good what's the next thing i can do all right i'm gonna go for a walk outside the house now Mm. and gradually build up back to where i need to be like at a functioning level yeah um and that's the same, I do exactly the same process with my art. Like if I'm really struggling to produce something, I go, right, let's strip it right back and go, what's the minimum I can do today? And just mm. do that bare minimum. And that might be like, okay, I'm going to draw a stick figure and that'll be it. And I won't put any pressure on myself. I'll go, right, that's all you're going to do today. And just set that as the goal. The next day you add something else in and I'll go, right. So yesterday I did the stick figure. Now I'm going to color it in or something. So I always just simplify as much as I can and just build it back up to a comfortable level. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. So yeah, whenever I'm stuck, that's what I do. I just go, well, strip it right back to nothing and go like, what's the least amount of effort I can put in today and just do that. And if that's good enough, that's good enough and then move on. So that's something that you've um, <sighs> employed, you know. Uh, yeah, it works for more. everything, man. Yeah. I suggest it highly. Yeah, because mm. in order to be able to do that, you have to have, I think, an awareness um, of how you're feeling at any g- given point and also recognising that, you know, it cha- it's changeable mm. day by day. Mm-hmm. And just because you, you know, produced something of X qu- quality or quantity or whatever last week doesn't mean that today you're going to be capable of that. Yeah. That it's a constantly shifting thing. And also like that... I'm an artist, man. I should be able to do this. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, today you're on the floor. Weeping. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You've got to work with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that kind of incremental thing and being okay with that. So, mm. Like that's like in being um, being able to kind of just produce something minimal mm-hmm. and go. I did that today. Yeah. Is that's it, a goal. It's been accomplished. Yeah. You ticked it off. Yeah. Mm. Do you give yourself a sort of um, uh, a sense of reward or you know achievement even if the thing is small because I think that's important as well yeah and it's a you it's it's a trained thing like it's something I've had to train myself to do over time like it's mm. not it's not something that comes necessarily naturally to me in fact I, I, I doubt it comes naturally to many people but it's that frame of mind of 
like any everyone's so hard on themselves i think as it is i think most people are generally mm. pretty hard on themselves and i think that that's the one thing i've learned that if uh, to me everything feels like energy i feel like my my body as a currency works in energy and it's going each day well where is that energy most useful mm. um and i find that some things might be like putting pressure on yourself is de-energizing. That means that I'm losing some of my energy that I could have been working on art with because I've lost that energy because I'm, you know, criticizing myself or something. Mm. So I just, it's just a very practical approach to it. Like it's mm. not, what I've learned to do is um, not, it's just mindfulness. It's accepting that you've got a feeling or there's, there's a feeling there, mm. but it's what emotions you attach to that feeling and whether they're necessary emotions to attach to that feeling. So mm. if I'm feeling stuck and I've got this sense of anxiety because I'm not getting stuff done, I still have a choice as to whether I feel annoyed at myself or whether I recognize that I'm anxious, but I forgive myself and go, well, tomorrow's a new day or something like that. Mm. And so I always come from that place of, okay, let's like measure how much energy am I spending being fucking mad today? A lot. Like, you know, and having that realization and knowing that from a practical point of view, that's not beneficial. Yeah. And then working really hard to go, right, I need to stop spending my energy in that space and try and figure out a way I can take that energy and put it in another place. Mm. And I think that's such a something that I've practiced and learned over time is figuring out like being very mindful of those feelings that come from my gut yeah and going am i attaching emotions to that and are they good emotions to be attaching to it is that a necessity that's come from what you mentioned the mental health you know context to that is that is that that's part of the context of where that's yeah come from yeah definitely and i like the way you describe it there that it's just recognizing how you're feeling on a given day and how you're positively well practically is the word you use how you're practically going to work with it it framing that as a practical thing um you know it's not even getting like airy fairy let's take care of ourselves man yeah nurture our soul it's like actually like if this is what i really want to be doing yeah then practically right now the best thing i could be doing doing to service that would be to take the pressure off or i don't know whatever go, go the other way some people, I think, really struggle with that. And I, I, I do myself. I, and and I, I catch myself. Mm. But it's very easy to get into that cycle of thought, thinking, I'm not being productive. I'm not yeah. a real this. And I should be doing this. I, I said yesterday, I write a thousand words and I've done nothing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but it sounds like woven into the way you're thinking about it is a real appreciation for the your sort of lived experience and sort of honouring what you need to do to take care of that. I think some people might think of themselves as creatives, as, as producers, like mm. a, a machine. If I'm not doing it, it doesn't matter how I feel. I should just yeah. be getting on with it. Yeah. I should be whipping myself. Yeah. But I think you're right. The whip is not the way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. It's de-energizing. It's sort of demotivating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, are there any other um, things that you've sort of experienced of mental health that issues have kind of um, helped inform in your creativity or you've necessarily had to change the way you work or tweak it to sort of, you know, honour or work with that stuff? Um, 
Yeah, the, I mean, there's there's tons. Like you, one thing that I'm really good at because of my mental health, like having too much energy often mm. means that I also burn myself out really quickly. So yeah. it's learning when to like hit the brakes and go, right, you've been going for like 13 hours straight now. You might want to go to the toilet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? You're sitting here in your own filth. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When was the last time you showered, Cara? Jesus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but again, it all just comes back to being mindful and just really honoring what your body's doing and Mm. being really checked in about what your body's doing and how you're feeling. And and that's that's a hard process. Like it's a learnt process, and you really have to try hard to do it. Like, but then once you do it, it comes second nature. So it's like a blessing. Like it's a muscle memory thing. Yeah, and it's. Well, it's a lesson sometimes you have to keep learning, but mm. maybe each time you Be do it. keep reminding of Yes. Yeah. And maybe it comes a little bit easier because you've kind of got that facility that's already kind of built up. The way I've realised, the way you talk about um, your experience is not just a cognitive thing, it's an embodied mm. thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's not always true for everybody, mm. that, that they think possibly they think about their experience and what they're creating in a very heady kind of way mm. and they get a bit divorced from actually you're exhausted yeah um and you know you just had 10 coffees you're like all over the fucking walls <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah i'm kind of interested what sort of advice or encouragement you would have given your teenage self you know who's feeling a bit isolated and maybe uh, starting to create stuff or, or anyone who's in like the position that you've sort of described and come from you know who's uh, maybe feeling like I want to make something but I'm not sure mm. and uh, uh, I'm on my own with it and also like the stuff I'm thinking of is weird man yeah. no one else is doing it like it's hard because when you say to people like you've got to have a thick skin again that's something that you build like real obviously resilience you build over time Mm. i think um first first thing is like the way constructive criticism i find is the best like for me i absolutely love constructive criticism but i understand how people can find that a very vulnerable place Mm. um and I think it's learning that, um, like, you want to be the best. Like, you want to... I don't think anyone doesn't want to... Everyone wants to be the best they can be. Mm. And I think there's something really valuable in being vulnerable. Because being vulnerable allows you to open up yourself to a different perspective. And if you do that, you'll learn something regardless. So even if it's information that you think is bullshit, even and chances are, like if you think it's bullshit, if it smells like bullshit, it's probably bullshit. <laughs> yeah. But you'll still learn something in that process. You'll learn that that was bullshit and you're not going to do it again. Yeah, this is what I believe, actually. Yeah. Or, uh... yeah, it's all about that validation. And whether you're succeeding or failing, you're still validating yourself in some way because you're still working things out. Like you know mm. what's failing if you're failing. Like if you're succeeding, you also know what's succeeding. So mm. there's that... Um, so I'm trying to think of what I was, what I was like when I was a kid. I was so, I, I was a bit of an angry child, so I just did whatever the fuck I wanted in terms of expressing myself. I was mm. always just, this is me, this is who I am. 
Um, I don't know. You can never be wrong. I just think with art, like, you can never be wrong. And it's okay if it's shit anyway. Like, again, you still learn something from it. And unless you put, like, you know, your pen to paper or your paintbrush to canvas or whatever it is that you're doing, like, you're not going to know until you fucking do it. Yeah. So you just kind of have to do it and hope the best and be prepared to jump into the deep end and that it doesn't matter if you sink sometimes. Yeah. You'll eventually swim. Oh, that's the thing that I say to everyone, actually. Right. Here's the, here's the best piece of advice, right? Yeah. You will never fail if you always keep trying because... If you're if you're constantly trying, eventually you'll get to the end. Like there is a goalpost, and as long as that's the only difference is people either give up or they keep going. Yeah. And if you keep picking yourself up and keep going, you're never gonna fail because eventually you're just gonna have to get there. Yeah. And that's the way I've always lived my life with everything. It's like, well, no, as long as I stick to it for long enough, like that's how everyone gets better. That's how everyone gets their jobs. That's how everyone, you know, yeah. develops as people. That. I don't see failure as a thing. Like, yeah, I get down when things aren't going as well for myself as I want them to. But at the end of the day, I know that as long as I'm still doing this every day, eventually, whether it's five years time, 10 years time, 20 years time, I know I'm going to get there. So I'm not failing ever. Yes. And that's like the key. I think that's the cracking point when you learn that, well, as long as you keep doing something, eventually you will get there. Then nothing can stop you. Like, yeah. And that's, and that's why I always see the people who make it, like the people who come from nothing are always the people who just, you hear their stories and their story is they face adversity, they face adversity, they face adversity, but the key thing that was there was them. They kept going. They mm. kept doing it regardless. And then, you know, you've got your, all these amazing people have done amazing things with their life who've done it. So if they can do it, then why can't other people? It's kind of like, where are you going to end your story? It's yeah. Like, is it after the scene one you fail. Yeah. Cut to credits. Yeah. Or is it just going to be that tale of... Actually, it's a tale of adversity, 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 adversity. And now, woo, I'm and here. And success. Yeah, yeah. Let your story kind of play out yeah. until you kind of get the result you want. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great place to end on. Yeah. That's nice. That's brilliant. It's lovely. Thank you very much, Kara, for having this chat. No worries, PMAC. All right. And thank you, Bill. And thank you... Mabes for joining us. Yeah, not great with the applause though, Mabel. I was expecting a little bit more from you, but yeah, she's uh, <laughs> giving, giving her approval by going. about an hour for you but I'm still on the floor it's only been a second for me I'm hugging my knees to my chest in a kind of yogic kind of position how was that just trying to pick out a few really useful things um, so Kara's thing about gradual exposure this kind of way of being this tool that she's had to develop to help her get over those times where she feels she's at a point where she's less capable than she might have been previously and how she builds herself back up. And it's just so applicable to everything in life and creativity. And it really does depend on that ability for you to be able to check in and accept how you're doing in a particular moment. The whole thing about failure, about recognising that you're never failing if you're constantly trying because it's just a continuum of improvement. It makes me think about that thing about... Uh, 
progress, not perfection. As long as your emphasis is on progress, rather than being perfect or not, then you're always in the pocket, you're always um, improving, you're always on that journey. So that was great. Listening back, I realized how self-assured Kara is and how she understands herself, yet she's still struggling, as we all do, with things like imposter syndrome, uh, about getting blocked and not knowing how to start. And those things are present for us all the time. They're constant challenges when you're trying to make stuff. Am I good enough? Am I a real creator? Oh God, I don't know how to do this. Where do I start? So thank you very much for listening. I hope you're getting something out of it. Same old call outs. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and go check out my website, paulmccauley.net for things about creativity, the creative how. On there I'm blogging at the moment about my daily practice. I'm showing up each day for 15 minutes to do something to realise my creative dreams for a whole year. I'm about 75 days into that, I think. And have a listen to the other episodes in this series so far. And they're all up on the website or on Apple Podcasts or most other podcast streaming platforms. Thank you for listening. I'm going to roll around on the carpet for a little bit more. Whee! <laughs>